All right, this is Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News, out here having a good day at the office, uh, driving a Mazda. Any Mazda is good. This is the all-new Mazda CX-50 out at Santa Barbara, California. I'm joined by Dave Coleman, who's the boss of vehicle dynamics for Mazda. Dave, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> nice of you. Uh, to have us out here, and um, I mean, it's it's always great to have a Mazda. I've, I've always thought the CX-5 is the baseline for compact SUVs. A, it, it handles like a BMW 3 Series. B, it's priced like a Honda CRV. Right. So you, you get the best best of both worlds, and, and, it, and it's good looking, which is hard to do yeah. in, a, in an SUV. Now you guys are bringing in sort of a brother to the to, to the um, to the CX-5. Uh, talk about that strategy. Yeah, well, the CX-50 is aimed at a little bit more of a sort of outdoorsy kind of person. Um, the, the, this segment for this size of SUV is really big. It's really popular. Everybody everybody kind of seems to want this size of car. So there's a, kind of enough room for us to di start differentiating and, and aiming for different kinds of people. So we're kind of steering the CX-5 toward the more urban kind of customer, the people that are buying it now. Um, and the CX-50 is more aimed for people that like to go out mountain biking and camping and, uh, you know, going to places that you have to go down a long dirt trail to get to. Um, and it's made to be a little bit bigger inside. This car is actually, CX-50 is made just for North America, uh, whereas the CX-5 is a global car that has to fit on narrow Japanese roads and European roads and all that. So making it just for North America, we were able to make it a little bit bigger. Uh, it flared the fenders and moved the wheels outside of the cabin. So we have more interior space, made it a little bit longer, the back seat's a little bit roomier, um, and made the cargo area kind of longer so we can, you know, you look at cargo volume specs, and they always measure the total volume all the way up to the ceiling. I don't know about you, but I don't like stacking stuff to the ceiling when I'm loading stuff up. So a long, flat load floor where you can put stuff in next to each other uh, and not have to, you know, dig things out from, from under each other. Um, that was really sort of helpful, starting from you know a new vehicle to sort of expand the size of it a little bit and make it more flexible for the the big stuff the big Americans like to do. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, you know as you look at the CX-5, that's probably one of the knocks on it is it's smaller uh, inside than some of the the competitors. Uh, so you take care of that. I mean, yeah. we're, we're big guys. We're both six six foot plus guys, so uh, it makes us feel better. Uh, back there, but you've also done some clever stuff, uh, like doing 90 degree doors, uh, bringing in a lot of accessories with this car. I mean, it really is very different than the CX-5, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Like the, the 90 degree doors you mentioned. So we're we're looking at you know when you're going camping and overlanding and all that, you end up using the roof rack a lot, put a lot of stuff up on the roof. So this car, for one, has a little bit lower roof than the CX-5, so it's easier to get stuff up there. But opening the, the back door 90 degrees makes it easier for when you are stepping on the door sill there and climbing up to, to load stuff up onto the roof rack. It's you know it's a tiny detail, but it's a little kind of details like that that kind of make your experience when you when you're working with the car. Yeah, and, and it looks different too. I mean, I, as I came into this, I was expecting, uh, um, you know, a, a similar car to the CX-5, maybe more cladding uh, around the wheel wells, that sort of thing. But you really, it really is comprehensively different. It's wider, it's lower. Um, you've done done a lot of work uh, uh, to, to this to make this vehicle different. 
Yeah, it's actually under the skin on a different platform. It, yeah, a lot of times you'll have m- multiple cars of the same size. They would be the same car underneath the skin. Um, but it just so happens that with, this is on a newer generation platform. And because uh, we built it for North America and we're building it in North America in a new plant in Alabama, um, we were able to sort of take off a lot of the restrictions that we had for cars that are built globally. And roads in Japan can be very narrow. Roads in Europe can be very very narrow. And so the cars have to have to be relatively narrow. And because of that, the factory that we have in Japan was built to accommodate those size cars. And we actually couldn't, we, we wouldn't be able to build the CX-50 in our factory in Japan because the poles that hold the roof up are too close together. Right? So starting from scratch and building everything new, we were just able to sort of start over and do it really what the size and package that we want in this market. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the Alabama piece is a, is a great story. I mean, I, I think you, you came into to, uh, Mazda when Mazda was still with Ford at Flat Rock. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, talk about that a little bit. How first, first time uh, Mazda's manufactured in the U.S. since they severed ties with Ford. How, how's that, how does that work? Yeah, so the, the Flat Rock plant um, originally started back when we were making the Mazda MX-6 and the Ford Probe, which were, which were related under the skin. Um, by the time I started at Mazda, I think we were making Mazda 6s there, and ironically, Ford Mustangs on the same line. Uh, it was a very uh, very uh, flexible line uh, back then. Um, what we're doing in the new plant in Alabama is very different. It's actually a joint plant with Toyota um, where we are sharing with Toyota the, the logistical headache of building a plant, which is it's a big work to get all of these parts to come in and get assembled into cars and go back out. Um, you know, there's a lot of overhead in a plant. And so we share that with Toyota, um, but we end up with two completely separate lines where they build a car on their line and we build a car on our line and they don't, two don't, don't cross. Um, we share on the lines, we share a stamping plant because stamping sheet metal, stamping sheet metal, and it's a big piece of equipment. So we can share the cost of that equipment and some, one day we stamp Toyota parts and one day we stamp Mazda parts. Uh, and we share a paint line because both our cars are painted. And then after they come out of the paint line, they split and go down different sides of the building. And at the very end, when they go out the door of the final inspection line, they come back together and the same guys inspect both of them and they go out into the lot and get on trains and go to your dealer. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great story. Neat, neat to have that going on uh, in the U.S. So, um, you know, to the nitty-gritty of the car, I mean, it's remarkable to me because this is clearly, you know, marketing it differently than this, than the um, traditional Mazda. I'm a traditional Mazda buyer. I like the, the sportiness and the speed of, of the Mazda 3, the Mazda 3 Turbo, the Mazda Miata. I mean, all, all of that uh, halo stuff. And then you hear that Mazda is doing an off-road brand. You think, oh, it's going to be... It's going to be great off-road, but it's going to be horrible on-road. This thing is great on-road. I mean, I, I just uh, came back from driving the Twisties of California and, and had a blast. I mean, it, uh, you know, how do you how do you square that circle, make it good off-road and on-road? Look, at the end of the day, Mazda, we are who we are, and we can't help but focus on the way the car drives on pavement. Um, if you know, step back and be realistic about when you want to go, you know, camping. And if somebody like I go camping five or six times a year, way out in the middle of nowhere, and even looking realistic at my drives, on those camping trips, 90% of the drive is on the freeway. Uh, and there's a little bit of twisty road that's, that could be fun if I'm driving the right car or it could be terrible if I'm driving a truck. Uh, and then there's a couple of miles of, of rugged off-road stuff. Uh, so we didn't want to compromise the on-road stuff. Like, that's the logical side of us talking. The, the emotional side of us is we're Mazda and we like making cars that are fun to drive too. So we talk ourselves into it with that story, but really this is just, just what we do. Um, but really what we wanted to do with this car is take that really connected, direct, enjoyable driving feel that we have on pavement 
and deliver the same thing on gravel, deliver the same confidence when you're scrambling up a rocky hill or going across a washed-out creek bed or some something you didn't expect that's between you and your campsite, and make sure that you always have the same confidence that you had on road. That was our, our idea. Yeah, yeah, and you got you got nice bits like uh, a camera that, that that helps there. It's uh, it's lifted a little bit uh, off the ground compared to the. To, to the uh, CX-5. And, and you guys also make use of uh, G-vectoring control for right. off-road. Yeah. So, you know, if you do kind of uh, encounter something, you're, you're, you're going a little too fast off-road, it works off-road. Yeah, so the, the G-vectoring control for, for the 99% of people who don't remember what that is, <laughs> is this trick we came up with um, from watching how rally drivers control their cars at speed. They're always using weight transfer to, to when they when they turn in on loose surfaces, uh, the tires won't really bite in normally if you just turn the wheel on gravel, right? And so they're always left foot braking and shifting weight onto the front tires whenever they turn to make the car the car bite into the gravel. And we looked at, at the way uh, professional drivers did that and made a system that kind of automated that. So when you turn the wheel, it'll automatically cut engine output tiny, tiny amount just to shift weight onto the tires and make them respond more consistently. And that's worked out really well on all of our uh, all of our cars. All of our cars have this system now. Um, and it just makes the steering more precise and more consistent. But when we started doing off-road mode, suddenly we had the opportunity. Now we're on gravel. We're back where this idea started. And when you put it in off-road mode, we turn up the, the gain on that system so that it really makes those front tires bite. Um, and it just it makes it feel almost as if it, you're back on pavement. Like, it just turns in normally. Um, and between that and some tricks we did with the all-wheel drive system, using the coupling between the front and the rear wheels that we have when we start to engage the rear drive, using it to stabilize the car so the tail doesn't slide out when you don't want it to, um, it makes the car just track really naturally on a gravel road. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really good. We were... We were... We were having some fun at just 30, 35 miles an hour, and it, it really rotates. It works uh, on road. Uh, um, uh, since I got you here, you're a racer. I'm a racer. Uh, I, I want to ask you a little bit about the future without giving away any pro <laughs> without giving away any product. But I was I just got out of the uh, the Porsche Cayman GT4 RS. Fantastic car. Screaming, you know, yeah, screaming 9,000 RPM flat six engine. You know, it's as good as it gets right. in the uh, in the internal combustion world. Now Cayman is saying. Porsche is saying the next gen Cayman is going to be electric. Right. Are, uh, Dave, are the fun police coming for us? Uh, I I don't think so. I've had a lot of fun in electric cars. Actually, um, I think it's you know we're used to having fun on a racetrack, and that's going to be difficult in electric cars because you don't have the uh, enough energy on board to do multiple laps of a racetrack. But for you know enjoying back roads and just enjoying your, your daily driving. I've been pleasantly surprised with what we can do with electric cars. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, the, the directness that you get in the throttle response. And when we did the MX-30, uh, you know, it's uh, if it's an electric car on the same platform as a CX-30. And what we were able to do by having uh, the extra stiffness that we have from uh, building a cage around the battery so it doesn't get damaged in a crash, that stiffened up the body, uh, and lowering the center of gravity from having all the weight really down low, and mostly from back to GVC, um, we're able to, in, in a gasoline car, we're limited how much weight transfer we can do with GVC, how much we can throw weight onto the front tires, because we're just pulling power out of the engine. So if you're not accelerating, you can't do any weight transfer. So basically, we tune everything to be as if you were off throttle. But when we had the electric motor in there, not only is it faster and more precise, uh, because the electric motor does exactly what you tell it to do, uh, but 
when we're already decelerating, even when we're in full regen, there's always a little bit more regen available. So the GVC could always work to throw weight onto those front tires, and the, the, the turning and the front bite that we get out of that car uh, is, is phenomenal. And it's like really one of our best handling cars is our electric car. Yeah. So I'm kind of optimistic about, about electric future. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, you, you talk to engineers. Engineers electric, uh, love electric motors. Right. As you say, they're they're they're, they're so direct. They they're do so what precise. You tell them to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave Coleman, uh, uh, chief of uh, vehicle dynamics for Mazda. Uh, good talking to you, and and uh, thanks for the CX50. It's always great to see you. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I had no energy. For months and months and months, I had no energy, and I'm a very active person. And my husband was noticing that I was tired all the time, and I was slow at everything that I was doing. And I kept listening to the commercials, and, you know, you don't know if something's going to help you or not, but I decided this was something I was going to do. And lo and behold, in about four days to taking them, I was repotting plants. I was doing other things. My husband said to me, you seem to have more energy. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm telling you, nothing has ever made such a difference. So anyway, I'm very happy. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code RADIO5. <laughs> the oldest, the strongest, 50,000 watts, only urban talk radio station in town. WFDF. 9 to a.m. superstations line up like no other. We have the foot soldiers, Brenda Hill, Miko Williams, Horace Sheffield, and Adolph Mongo. Charlene Mitchell, host of Mind Your Business. <laughs> this is Anthony Adams. WFDF. Sports. Lamar Whitley, DJ Johnson, the big fella. And Sports <laughs> Talk with Mark Jones. Kerry Jackson, your urban conservative. Jewel Jones. We got that. Law. Sandy Hughes O'Brien, Fonda Evans, and Judge Nance. Man, the Schwartz be with you. Fitness and Health with Angela Moore and musical artist Alexander Zondat. History, Rights, and Justice. Louis Farrakhan, Michael Imhotep, Malik Shabazz, Minister Troy Muhammad, and Reverend Al Sharpton. The Car Guru. Henry Payne. Movies. Greg Russell. We got that. Billy Taylor. Wade McCree. Robert Fucano. Devonia Perryman. And Theo Broton. Mark Esley. Infotainment. Monica Morgan. Can We Talk? And Force of Friendship. Information and that. News. Bob Law. Democracy Now. And do not forget, ESPN All Night. Bengal Thompson. We play chess, <laughs> not checkers. Only on WFDF 910 AM Superstation. Hey, Jalen, we out. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. 
WADL gets a facelift and is now My 38 Detroit. Along with a facelift comes new programming on Mondays at 8 p.m. Catch a two-hour block of Law & Order SVU. Tuesday, Chicago Fire. Wednesday's Dateline. More Dateline and Chicago PD on Thursdays and on Fridays. You'll get more Chicago PD to start your weekend. We'll still have some of your favorite shows like Mom, Blackish, and Friends. Just adding more for you to enjoy on My 38. Attention! Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19, but you can't go it alone. Call Tax Solutions now. Our team of former IRS agents and tax professionals can get you the best deal. We know the COVID-19 rules. Call us and never speak to the IRS again. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. The virus has caused the IRS to take extensive action to help taxpayers. So if you owe $10,000 or more, this is the best time in years to settle your tax debt. I qualified for the Fresh Start program. I paid less than I owed. Remember, the IRS will not give up until you pay. Call 800-683-9499. 800-683-9499. 800-683-9499. is offering a great special that cannot be refused. Are you looking for a great deal on TV advertising? Are you searching for an avenue to get your business name out to the public. With My38, we are offering a great special with 100 commercial ads for a great price. This offers for a 30-day ad placement. Please contact Jamie Harrington for more information at 248-357-4566. That's 248-357-4566. Or email at jamie at my38detroit.com. This excludes political ads. 910, the Super Station, the oldest radio station in town since 1922. All right, this is Henry Payne with 910 AM Super Station, uh, downtown in the uh, Art Art Village. Uh, kind of a cool place, and um, the Penske organization kicking off the Detroit Grand Prix down here. We're with uh, Michael Montre, who's the president of the Detroit Grand Prix. Michael, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Henry. Cool place, right? Yeah, this is unusual. I've never never been down here. We're around Six Mile and and uh, Grand River, and uh, lots of great art, and um, and that's that's uh, that's a, a bit of uh, what you guys are highlighting this year uh, with the, with the Grand Prix. A lot going on. We're 29 days out uh, from the Grand Prix, so uh, uh, things kicking into high gear for you. But yeah, talk talk about some of the the different stuff uh, you guys are doing leading up to this Grand Prix. Yeah, so uh, we're. We're here in Detroit Artist Village, um, uh, which is connected to the Motor City Java House here, and um, we're uh, we're excited. You know, we we unveiled our the final version of our 2022 poster. Um, Mary Wong, who was the winner of our CCS poster contest, did a great job, and we unveiled the final version here today. And we thought this this Artist Village was a perfect perfect place to do it. Um, in addition, you know, we announced that that we'll have our our legacy display on Belle Isle during the 2022 event, which will be the final event of the Grand Prix on Belle Isle. 
before we moved downtown in 2023. So number of initiatives there, a lot of fun, interactive displays, um, and uh, and uh, should should be a great year. We're looking forward to it. And, uh, last year for the Grand Prix on Bill, on Belle Isle, uh, that's a big deal. Uh, talk about that legacy a little bit. Um, you've been here since 1992. Yeah, it's really been something. I mean, it, it, a ton of historic moments uh, for all the series that, that have raced on Belle Isle uh, over the years, and we're going to try to celebrate some of those. This is where, you know, Spider-Man was born. Elio Castroneves uh, had his first win on Belle Isle. This is the first place he ever uh, scaled the fence after a win and started his tradition and really his signature moment uh, whenever he wins a race, four-time Indy 500 winner. So uh, we're proud to have that. We'll have a car on display, uh, which was uh, his 92. Or, I'm sorry, his second winner, I believe it was 2002, uh, was his second win here on Belle Isle, and he scaled the fence. So we have that car on display. And um, uh, you'll be able to, to to take your picture with a green screen and kind of insert yourself into a number of these historic moments on Belle Isle. So should be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll be cool. And that, that'll be right down in the heart of things, uh, in there just off of the paddock, um, around the turn one area, I think, is where you're, you're setting that up. Uh, Bobby Ray. Hall was the first to win this race in 92, and then uh, today you had uh, Renus VK down here at the kickoff event who finished second last year in his first time at Belle Isle. Yeah, that's right. Race race number one. Renus uh, finished second on the podium, and um, w- what a great up and coming uh, representative he is for the NCT IndyCar Series. He's done a great job. He is fast. Um, races, you know, Chevrolet for Ed Carpenter Racing. Um, hugely popular in his native uh, Netherlands. Uh, right behind Max Verstappen, who who uh, races in the F1 series. He's he's they kind of came up together, and Renus ended up in IndyCar for now, and and Max. Is an F1, uh, and their friends remain friends. And um, Renus is a great, great young talent. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's an interesting sport that way, isn't it? I mean, uh, this is this is a pro sports town. You got Detroit Pistons. Uh, you know, the Red Wings have brought in a lot of Russians uh, over the years. Won uh, some Stanley Cups. Uh, baseball. You got guys that come. A lot of a lot of guys that come in from Latin America. I mean, IndyCar that you're dealing with uh, every day is 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 a true Truly international sport. What's it like dealing with these race car individuals? As you say, this is a 21-year-old Dutchman racing in IndyCar, living in Fort Lauderdale. His parents are in the Caribbean. I mean, these are these are unusual guys and gals. It, no, very true. Um, it, it's a unique sport on how people kind of rise up through the ranks. If you think about the sick and ball sports you mentioned, there's not you know as much of a of a charted path for uh, a race car driver. Um, there are junior circuits and, and other circuits, but those circuits span the globe. Um, and for some folks uh, growing up, the opportunity might be in the U.S. versus Europe or, um, or wherever else there might be a series that they want to run, but um, it, it kind of creates these international stars. The other thing you see in the IndyCar series right now is you see, you know, stars that have been in Formula One for years and have now moved over to IndyCar and are kind of making their legacy known in, in IndyCar. You got Marcus Erickson, you got Felix Rosenquist, you have Romain Grosjean, who is the most recent to come over, who had. 
had established careers in Formula One before coming here. So it's really a mix of mix of young talent coming up through the ranks that have landed in the U.S. that are still young, um, but also some Formula One stars that have now you know planted their flag in the NTT IndyCar series. And it makes for a very international series. We have you know over 200 territories that we broadcast our races to. Um, the popularity of our series internationally is has gone up and up with folks like Scott McLaughlin coming over from Australian Supercars. Um, he's you know he's a he's a Kiwi. He's from New Zealand, but um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's it's a great international series. And I haven't even haven't even mentioned Latin America, um, which is you know historically such a strong international market for us. So um, it, it it makes for a really worldwide presence in our series. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I, I always say IndyCar is the uh, best racing out there, not only because it's close racing, but also the the demand on the athlete that you have to be good at uh, ovals, uh, road courses, and these brutal street courses like you have here in uh, in, in uh, Belle Isle. Um, I, I I think you guys advertise it that way. <laughs> we do, we do. We were talking to Renus last night, and you know, we asked him the question. You know, you you spend uh, almost a full month. In Indianapolis, driving you know the oval there, the the two and a half mile oval, the historic four cornered uh, oval, and um, and what's it like going from that oval? straight to Detroit, where it's an old street circuit, bumpy, you know. And uh, his answer was, it's like two different sports. <laughs> and I thought that was really a great answer, because he's absolutely right. Um, you know, you go from the smooth, almost, you know, technical, you know, tactician-like oval to a road circuit like Belle Isle, where you're just muscling the car around the corners and and throwing it in uh, and and hoping for the best. Uh, these cars have no power steering, uh, so going across a street circuit like Belle Isle um, is very very challenging. Uh, uh, just just hard to even just turn the car in some instances. So you're, you're, you're going to take it a little easier on the uh, drivers this year. You're only going to do one Grand Prix, uh, not the duel in Detroit, right? Yeah, that's right. When we looked at the circuit, and 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 I handled the schedule for. Car too, <laughs> so uh, when we made this the schedule, uh, we took a look at that run, and we had, you know, the the Indi- the uh, GMR Grand Prix in Indianapolis, which is uh, coming up this two two weeks from now, and then you have the Indy 500, and then you go straight to Detroit, and then what's new this year is you go straight to Road America after Detroit, and to ask the drivers to, you know, in the course of three weeks do the Indy 500 500 miles, then another two races in Detroit on the hard street circuit, and then go directly to road america and run that four mile road course uh was a little much so that's why we have one one race in detroit this year yeah it's, it's always exciting got a lot going on that weekend i think there's an imsa race um as well as an indy lights race will the imsa race have prototypes this year or we're back to the same the, the schedule where the Le Mans prototypes are going to be in or i'm sorry the the the, the um the g the gt cars Last year we had Corvette here because Le Mans was in August. But now we're back to a normal schedule, right? Yeah. So, um, so what's interesting now is the the sports cars can run uh, both series, right? So, st- starting next year, I should say. Um, so, looking at it going forward, we'll have some. Pr- G- they're ca- they're going to be called GTP cars now going forward. So, we'll have GTP cars here, and not have to export them over uh, to Le Mans because they'll have identical vehicles over in France for Le Mans. So, um, so we'll have a, a 
this, a great lineup of um, of prototypes this year, and then next year when we go to the G, GTP cars, which is the you know the hypercar version of the of the uh, the current uh, hybrid, it's going to be it's it, we'll have a, a great a great class. We'll have we'll have Porsche here. Um, we'll have Cadillac, of course. We'll have um, uh, um, who else is in that series? Draw a blank there. Help me out. Audi. Audi. Yes. Yep. Yep. BMW is coming. That's right. That's right. That's yes. right. That's going to be. Uh, I think they pushed Mazda. Mazda. Maybe they've pushed the uh, the hybrid engines for the IndyCar off a year. So 2024. So next year uh, in downtown Detroit, that'll be the first year for the IMSA hybrids. So that that'll be that'll be quite an event uh, here. Uh, just give us a, a quick preview of of next year of 2023 and what's coming in downtown. Yeah, so as we, you know, kind of wave the checkered flag this year on, on Belle Isle and move downtown, um, we go to a slightly shorter circuit, um, but we go to uh, a, a circuit that's going to be challenging in, in different ways. Um, the straightaway on Jefferson, uh, which runs from Rivard to Griswold, is 0.7 miles of a 1.75-mile circuit. So the majority of it is a straightaway on Jefferson. Uh, the IndyCars will reach uh, about 180 miles an hour or so as they they race down Jefferson. They'll pass the Joe Lewis fist uh, on Jefferson, and they'll do a complete hairpin turn right before they enter the tunnel on the lodge at Griswold. Um, so that's going to be a very exciting part of the circuit. What's really interesting is when you turn right down Bates um, and head down toward the water, the elevation change. You know, we were talking to Renus and asked him about what he thought about the new circuit after he had a chance to look at it in person, and he was really pleasantly surprised at the elevation changes. And when you look at um, the circuit for 23 on a on a 2D map from you know 20,000 feet in the air, when you're just looking at a circuit map, um, it really doesn't do justice to this to the elevation changes and the challenges that you know those will pose these drivers yeah that's going to be uh something to see and uh, the best ticket in the house is going to be at uh, griswold and where's the hairpin griswold and yeah Gr- Gr- griswold and jefferson yeah griswold and jefferson that's that's <laughs> that's going to be the best seat in the house well michael montry uh thanks for joining us uh really looking forward to the last detroit grand prix on bell isle this year Thanks, Henry. It's going to be fun. Did you know most vitamin supplements don't even come from food? Even the products with colorful fruits and vegetables adorning the labels are seldom derived from produce. Typically, supplements are synthetic, made in a laboratory. Modern science may synthetically imitate these chemicals, but your body isn't fooled. It knows the difference, and it craves quality materials to build, repair, and fight illness. You need to consume fruits and vegetables daily in a variety of colors, as well as whole grains and other fresh food. That's why I formulated Balance of Nature. I wanted to be able to give my patients a natural alternative to the cheap, unnatural chemistry by giving them real fruits and vegetables. In fact, the only ingredients inside a Balance of Nature are whole fruits and vegetables. Don't settle for imitation nutrition. Reach for the good stuff, the real stuff. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code RADIO5. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to 
review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. The Word Network has been broadcasting inspirational messages around the world since the year 2000. And we keep getting bigger and better and more innovative. Seen all around the world, we bring you the best teaching, impartation, singing, and inspiration. If you want original programming, we have that too. The Word Network is your exclusive source for all things inspiration. And we can be found on every device imaginable. If you want to be uplifted and inspired, you need the Word Network. The 910 AM live stream can now be seen on Apple TV, Roku, Chromecast, YouTube Red, iPhone, iPad, Android phone, Android tablet, Amazon Kindle Fire, any Windows phone. Watch us live at 910amsuperstation.com. Tune in to WFDF 910 AM Superstation Thursday, May 19th through Sunday, May 22nd, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. for the 2022 PGA Golf Tournament. This is available on our 910 AM website, 910 AM app, and iHeartRadio. You do not want to miss it. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. Warm face on a cold day. I want to be a bike that races around the country. I want to be a bench on a forest trail. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News, and uh, broadcasting live today from Barber Motorsports Park down in Birmingham, Alabama. I uh, hope you enjoyed the uh, first couple segments I was out on the track uh, while you heard from Dave Coleman at Mazda and Michael Montre with the Detroit Grand Prix. Uh, uh, exciting to see that Grand Prix coming this year, uh, June 4 and 5, the last time they will race on Belle Isle before coming downtown uh, to uh, uh, just like the old days in Formula One. So that'll be exciting to see next year. Uh, but we're going to be broadcasting uh, both Saturday and Sunday from Belle Isle, June 4 or 5. Be sure and tune in uh, to us then. Uh, I'm in a different racetrack today, Barbara Motorsports Park. Great track. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later in the program. But first, I want to talk about the Ford Lightning. We're joined by a good friend of the program, Mike Whalen, who is a Detroit writer for CNBC. And he and I were recently driving this much-anticipated first electric pickup truck from Ford. Mike, how are you? Good, Henry. How about you? Doing good. Uh, uh, and, and uh, Mike, I know you're a, um, uh, you've are you written about this uh, vehicle. You and I have both uh, driven in it, but you are also a pickup owner. Uh, so next time you go look to, to buy a pickup, what do you think? Is uh, Ford Lightning going to be on your list? 
You know, Henry, it is an extremely important product for Ford and, honestly, the industry because it's tailored for everyone at this point. The price tag is still a little high, but Ford is aiming it for the commercial market. They're aiming it for consumers, and it's not like a $111,000 Hummer or a Rivian small truck. It's meant to be a truck, a regular truck, and that's really different from what we've seen so far. And for me, if the market wasn't as crazy as it is right now, I would probably have been looking for an electric truck in general, um, regardless of the gas prices, because I had a Chevrolet Volt, which was a plug-in hybrid, before I had the pickup truck. And it is great not having to go to the gas tank. <laughs> gas yeah, tank. and that's what... Yeah, and, and to your point, uh, you know, we've we've seen the $110,000 Hummer. Uh, Chevy's going to follow that in 2024 with a $108,000 uh, 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 Silverado RS EV. you got Rivian out there. It's an $80,000 pickup. But here comes this uh, Lightning, and, and on that test that we did, down in San Antonio, Texas, the, the um, you can you can trim this thing all the way up to ninety five thousand uh, dollars if you want. I mean, this yeah, the, the pickup generally runs uh, about ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars north of a comparably equipped gas car. But uh, for for people who don't, you know, who, who like the idea of not going to the gas pump, the the car I was driving in San Antonio is forty five thousand dollars, has seven seven hundred seventy five pound feet of torque. It'll tow 7,500 pounds, has a four-wheel drive. It's a heck of a truck. You know, Henry, I think people who haven't driven an EV before or haven't driven an EV truck, which are a lot of people, they they don't realize that you actually forget that it's electric. Um, You'll just be driving it like you will any other vehicle, but you've got the added torque. And I am not a pickup truck owner traditionalist, I have it because it has a large cabin. I do some work around the house, but I'm not towing and hauling and doing all that. So, I mean, this truck is kind of meant for those people as well as myself who don't necessarily need the towing. Because once you put the towing on, you can't really tow across country in UV right now. It just isn't feasible. But overall, I mean, for a general buyer who's looking to kind of go EV, I think they would not even realize that. After the novelty wore off, I don't even think that they think about it being electric. They just think about it being a truck. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, you're, you're really the target audience. I, I, I called up a couple of buddies of mine uh, who, who uh, tow airstreams. They like to go up north during the summertime. They're constantly driving around the country uh, with Airstream behind their Ford F-150. It ran 1,500, and and uh, they love the idea of an electric pickup truck. They get it. They get the low-end torque, but then they look at the 300-mile range uh, and, or, or 240 miles in the case of the, the, the $45,000 truck I was driving, uh, and they, they instantly do the math. That's going to be 100 miles. They're going to get 100 miles if they're towing seven, seven, you know, five, seven thousand pounds behind it. So it's a, it's a, they, they can't go there. But uh, for folks who are using it around town, um, I, I, I tell you, I, the, the other thing that really works to me, Mike, is the independent rear suspension. So you got this really smooth drive trim, and you also, this is the first F-150 that has an independent rear, so you don't get any of that crow hop like you usually get in a pickup. Yeah, I mean, how do you know well, the battery helps with that too? The battery is so heavy 
it plants the vehicle down so well. So you don't have that uh, pickup flutter that I know we've talked about before on a lot of pickups when you've got uh, that back open. So, I mean, it really is planted to the ground. And one thing that people also who don't know EVs probably haven't thought about is the front trunk or frunk. And, I mean, the F-150 is by far hands down the best. I, I hop in it. I mean, you can fit a, <laughs> a human in there. I mean, you can also do some uh, tailgating or front gating, as they're calling it. But, I mean, having that closed storage for a pickup truck buyer, it, 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 it is very important. Yeah, and I think that uh, that front gating is a is a big piece of it. So, so again, you know, if you, if you're in that class of pickup owner who's not doing a lot of long haul stuff, you're kind of using your pickup around town. Uh, that customer like might go to a lot of University of Michigan, University of Michigan State football football games, and it's and there's not only the front trunk where you can, you know, you can throw stuff in the in the in the front trunk. Uh, that won't get wet in the bed. Uh, I mean, that's just magic for, for pickup owners to actually have a uh, basically a front hatchback. But also, Mike, um, uh, these things come standard with a lot of plugs in that back uh, in that back bed. Yeah, I mean, and I, as someone who was using their tailgate to actually cut some wood, um, just a couple times. I, like I said, I, I'm not the uh, typical truck buyer uh, per se for the work. Um, those plugs, you can plug in. I mean, they say it can power your uh, power site for or your uh, job site for a day. It can charge your home from three to ten days, depending on how much you want to uh, electricity and what you're plugging in. So, I mean, it's really a new utility that we haven't had before. And to be able to have the plugs everywhere, and if we're talking about the front gating, I think you can fit a 65-inch TV in that front. So you can have a pretty big tailgate out there who actually needs to go to the game. You just might need an atomic vehicle to drive you home, but those aren't available right now anyway. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's really a new utility, and it's a lot of fun. And, I mean, you've driven the Hummer, too, and that's a lot of fun as well. But that 150 is just kind of more of what people are used to. It's a bridge kind of from the traditional pickup to the electric pickup. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and Mike, you cover you cover this industry comprehensively uh, as an auto reporter, as a, uh, looking at the business side. Um, it, it, it's interesting th- to me too why uh, General Motors is uh, is waiting a couple years, bringing their pickup truck out on the full Ultium platform, whereas Ford is striking right now uh, with a forty thousand dollar pickup that's uh, not only attractive to folks like you. Uh, but also attractive to utilities, to corporations. Uh, what do you make of those two different strategies? Henry, I have had this discussion in my head as well as with other journalists and GM executives and Ford executives, and they're two very different strategies. Um, GM is doing a ground-up vehicle for the Silverado. They're calling it the Silverado, but it'll be a completely different truck, just like the Hummer is from anything else in their lineup. Ford essentially took a F-150, stuffed a giant battery in it, did some modifications, and got to market quicker. But GM believes, and this is their mission, is that a dedicated electric vehicle platform, they call it Ultium, can scale up quicker, it's more modular, and they can have more EVs available at different price points, everything from uh, Equinox to Hummer, starting at $30,000 to $110,000, and be able to scale it up and have 
that new technology and be able to get the price down quicker compared to what Ford's doing, kind of retrofitting that one fifty. So yeah, it's two very different strategies, but it's very hard to discuss. I mean, which one's going to work out best right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From a business perspective, it's fascinating because Ford uh, presumably is also working on a, uh, a dedicated uh, battery platform as well. Uh, they have this massive investment down in their uh, Kentucky plant uh, and elsewhere in the South. I'll tell you the other thing, though, Mike, because um, I, I, I drive a lot of EVs these days, and most of them are SUVs. Uh, they're the BW ID4, they're uh, the um, uh, Hyundai Ioniq 5, they're the Kia EV6, uh, and they're all in the mid $40,000 segment. They're all targeted at the Tesla Model Y, which is far and away the best selling. Uh, uh, compact SUV in the industry. Here comes this Ford Lightning at $45,000. Right in, I mean, it's not only pickup guys like you. I wonder if folks who are shelling out $45,000, $50,000 for a little compact SUV might look at this thing too. What do you think? Well, Henry, let's put a little asterisk on the 45, though, because if you want that longer battery range, Ford has the two battery options. And the 321, to get into that for a consumer, you're talking about $70,000. But right. for, like, some of the smaller crossovers, you can get the 300-mile range at that 45 price tag. And I think for a lot of people right now who are switching to EVs, they're going to want that range, whether they need it or not. They're going to want that peace of mind that I'm not going to run out of range. Or if I forget to look at my car at the end of the night, end of the day, that I'm going to have range when I wake up to uh, kind of get around town. But, I mean, a lot of vehicles you talk about, they are hard to get right now. And, I mean, there's wait lists. And it's because of the chip shortage and some supply problems. But it's also because EVs are kind of in vogue right now. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to uh, watch this. Well, Mike, uh, thanks for joining us as always, and have a great weekend. You too, and enjoy the track down there, Henry. <laughs> That's Mike Leyland, uh, auto writer for CNBC. You can find all of his work uh, online at CNBC.com. We're going to take a break here. And on the other side, we're going to talk racing down here from, Mot- from Barber Motorsports Park here on 910 AM Car Radio. Visit Central Park Deli today and receive 10% off any purchase when ordering from our mobile app and enter promo code 910AM. Our new menu items include gluten-free wraps, spinach wraps, fried spicy buffalo cauliflower, and sweet potato maple cheesecake. Don't forget about our always delicious Sigensburg corned beef, our fresh hand-patty charbroiled 100% premium beef burgers, and our homemade teriyaki stir-fries. Central Park Deli has curbside service available and DoorDash delivery. Come visit us today. Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I had no energy for months and months and months. I had no energy, and I'm a very active person. And my husband was noticing that I was tired all the time, and I was slow at everything that I was doing. And I kept listening to the commercials. And, you know, you don't know if something's going to help you or not, but I decided this was something I was going to do. And lo and behold, in about four days after taking them, I was repotting plants. I was doing other things. My husband said to me, you seem to have more energy. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm telling you, nothing has ever made such a difference. 
So anyway, I'm very happy. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code RADIO5. WADL gets a facelift and is now My 38 Detroit. Along with a facelift comes new programming on Mondays at 8 p.m. Catch a two-hour block of Law & Order SVU. Tuesday, Chicago Fire. Wednesdays, Dateline. More Dateline and Chicago PD on Thursdays and on Fridays. You'll get more Chicago PD to start your weekend. We'll still have some of your favorite shows like Mom, Blackish, and Friends. Just adding more for you to enjoy on My 38. Attention! Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19, but you can't go it alone. Call Tax Solutions now. Our team of former IRS agents and tax professionals can get you the best deal. We know the COVID-19 rules. Call us and never speak to the IRS again. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. The virus has caused the IRS to take extensive action to help taxpayers. So if you owe $10,000 or more, this is the best time in years to settle your tax debt. I qualified for the Fresh Start program. I paid less than I owed. Remember, the IRS will not give up until you pay. Call 800 683 9499. 800 683 9499. All right, welcome back into Car Radio. You're on 910 AM Super Station. I'm Henry Payne, broadcasting from my favorite place, a racetrack. And uh, this weekend, uh, I'm racing down at Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham, Alabama. And if you haven't been to this racetrack uh, and you like going to racetracks, you want to you want to you want to find this place on your schedule because it may be the prettiest campus of any racetrack uh, in the United States. I'm joined by Mark Combs, a good friend, fellow racer, uh, who's down here this weekend as well, racing his Lola 90. Mark, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing today, Henry? Doing good. Mark and I are. Uh, Right here in the same paddock uh, at, at Barber Motorsports Park, we've just gotten off the track after our morning qualifying uh, session and uh, uh, setting up for a race a little later this afternoon. Well, first of two races we'll do this weekend. Uh, Mark, uh, how are you feeling out there? Do you have a, a good qualifying session? Uh, actually, it was a pretty good qualifying session. So we've been here a couple of days, and every session – Myself and the other people on our team keep getting better and better lap times, so it's been very successful. Yeah, it looked like you got down into some 132s there, which is very quick uh, around this place. Uh, a quick time is uh, down there around 130 uh, around this uh, track. Uh, not a dissimilar time in uh, Mid-Ohio Raceway for folks uh, who are up in the, in the middle of Ohio area. We're a 130 lap around Road Atlanta. Uh, another great racetrack in in uh, in Georgia, but uh, all three are very very different tracks, and uh, and and Barber is uh, is its own animal. Mark, how do you how would you describe this place? How how do you how would you um, rate Barber Motorsports Park on your list of racetracks? 
Yeah, so I think the, the number one thing is uh, if you have any any uh, friends or listeners that are golfers, this would make a beautiful golf course. It just happens to be a race course, but you look around, beautifully manicured grass, trees, hedges, roses, and uh, probably over 100 statues that are placed around so you kind of discover them. But the, the racetrack itself is very active. The straightaways are pretty short, so you're really kind of thinking about corners all the time. A lot like madness in uh, when you go to uh, in Ohio. So you have some elevation changes. You have blind corners. And the corners are quite fast. So it, it took a little while for us to kind of recalibrate uh your your brain, your foot, your your brake foot, and your accelerator foot to think about it. But it's uh, one of my favorite racetracks for sure. Yeah, it's really really busy track. Uh, no 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 really long straightaways here. We we were running uh, four speed Hewlin boxes and the Lolas that we race. We barely get into uh, fourth gear uh, on on this track. Yeah, but the interesting thing, Mark is that uh, Mid-Ohio, that you referenced, and Barber uh, are both on the IndyCar uh, schedule. So folks who think of IndyCar uh, going to big road courses like Road America where you have long 180-mile straightaways or going to big motor speedways like Texas um, uh, or Indianapolis, they come here too. And, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to be out here racing on a track that the IndyCar guys do. I can't imagine racing a, an IndyCar around this. I mean, the speed and, you know, the G-force on your neck here is is quite a bit. So, you know, you bring your aspirin along with you for a, for a weekend here. But it's, it's an amazing, um, amazing track. There's one corner in particular is one of my favorites. Henry is the is the end of the back straight, and then there's a left turn and a dip down, and then back up the hill, and then down a hill like a sea jump, and then big a long sweeper, and boy, that uh, really gets your attention. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic section of this course. Uh, uh, those of us out here, we call it roller coaster, and it really is a, a roller coaster. But that's the nature of this track. It's a very up and down. Uh, track is, as Mark says, you spend a lot of time in a couple of long carousel corners at, at either end of the at either at either end of the track, and it's not an easy easy track to to pass on. As a result, um, I, I'd say Mark, there's is probably there's probably just one really good place to to pass on this track, uh, and that's into the so-called spider turn hairpin, uh, which is turn four or turn five, I should say. Five, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, and then, that is a tr- yeah. tricky corner because it's the end of a straightaway. It's a shorter straightaway, but it's downhill. So you're breaking downhill and then turning, and uh, the two apexes that you hit are still on an, on a down slope. So uh, that's very unique. I don't think we have a, a corner like that at other tracks. Yeah, and it's a classic case that if you overbreak, you go under somebody and you overbreak, uh, next thing you know you're out on the marbles and, and uh, he's going to do an over-under on you and, 
and take the position uh, back. Mark, we're running in the uh, S2000 class. Uh, it's become a very popular class in vintage racing like we do. Uh, this is an HSR uh, weekend, SBRA. We run the SBRA in S2. We run the BSCDA, BDCA. Uh, S2 is, uh, has really become uh, a popular uh, I know you've, you've raced a lot of different cars in the past. Um, what do you think S2? It feels pretty healthy. I think it's, it's fantastic, really. So it was a big class for SCCA years ago, and um, they, for whatever reason, you know, changed it, so they went to a different model. But that brought all these cars into this vintage racing series. And at Atlanta, just a couple weeks ago, we had over 50 cars for our class uh, on track at the same time. Normally, we have, you know, 15, 15 cars, maybe up to 20. And uh, the great thing about it is everybody has someone to race against. So there's some very fast people, there's some medium people. And if you want to make it more of a hobby and uh, do some laps, you know, you could kind of be in the back, and everyone is very happy with that. So, you got a lot of people to race with. But it's a great um, great place for all people, and uh, you can rent the cars. So that's always good, too, if you want to jump into it. Hello, uh, and, and, and Mark, you're a Chicago boy. We're down here in Alabama. It's a little, little coastier down here in Alabama than it is up north in Illinois. Uh, say that again, Henry. I said uh, we're we're uh, you're you're from Chicago. We're down here in Alabama. It's a little little toastier down here in uh, uh, Birmingham than it is yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the, I'm not really used to the humidity and the heat, and so I'm drinking the Pedialyte, and I've got a, a you know a wet uh, ice rag around my neck and everything else. So, it's a whole new level of heat. Yeah. <laughs> well, stay hydrated there, Mark. Good luck this afternoon in the race. Uh, that's going to do it for us here at Car Radio. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm going to go back out and race some more cars here at Barber Motorsports Park. Uh, we will be back next weekend for more Car Radio. In the meantime, this is Henry Payne. Keep the shoddy side up. Eric was way behind on his taxes. I owed a lot of money to the IRS, almost $15,000. I tried to make payments. The IRS wasn't satisfied with Eric's efforts, so they came after him full force. They're coming to put a lien and a hold on all my income, my home, my car. I was just overwhelmed at what to do. Then Eric called Optima Tax Relief. When Optima Tax got involved, the cars would stop, the threats would stop. It was easy like uh, one, two, three. Optima Tax Relief is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and their team of expert tax professionals took care of Eric's problem. I owe 15000 and now my debt is clean. I don't owe anything. Take Eric's advice. If you have a tax problem, you need to call Optima Tax now. Call Optima Tax Relief for a free consultation. Call 800 900